It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Eight point eight eight Google blottos of storage left, Alice. Eight point eight gung beetles of storage left. Okay, put some stuff on the cloud. Well, okay, but I'm saying that like usually I have at least like twelve that I start with every day. Now, whoa, where's it going? Okay. Alice, we, we're gonna have, we're gonna have some fun in this episode. Did you know that? Do you even oh, really? know? Don't we always have fun? Alice has been sorry for the production here. Alice has been so busy that she barely gets to see anything or hear anything or know anything because she spends her all of her time now in a submarine, and I'm comparatively free. I get furloughed really every hour during my broadcast day, and I've got I can poke in and out during my pre-broadcast day. You don't even know. I was down there making kielbasa. I was oh, thank doing, you for doing stuff that. with thank the you kids. For doing our refrigerator has broken, so I've been spending most of the day throwing everything out of our fridge. So a couple of things I've frozen, like um, frozen Jimmy Dean sausages, which I figure we'll just wait, Alice, till we're really drunk and then cook them, cook the hell out of them when we don't care. Other than that, it's been a big... You know what? It's been terrible because now we don't have a fridge. Just Good thing I have section. a strong immune system because... Well, or hold on, mm-hmm. hold on. But you know, I I did get us a white cooler to use, which I mm-hmm. keep outside because it keeps it cool out there. It's a sensible thing to do, which mm-hmm. is why I do it. Um, was I yelled at this morning no, for putting it? Alice, outside? I don't know the meaning of that. I, I, yelling is not uh, something I would know how to do in this family. <laughs> I believe it's the person with the doggy shirt. <laughs> so, but I've been able to throw out a lot of stuff, which is good. Of course, I forgot to take the trash, or I missed it that Monday, which sucks. So we're, we're already out of trash space. So if anybody there lives in uh, North. Northern Massachusetts, and you have room for more bags. <laughs> Just let me know your address. One of us off. will probably have to make a trip to the transfer station. Transfer station. Maybe we'll do that. Oh, it's your birthday tomorrow, Alice. By the way, I've been talked out. I was, I was going to get you a piece of a silk uh, nightgown, and and Rosie talked me out of it. 
Oh, yeah? She said, don't get that for her. That's something for you. And she's not wrong. Hmm. Um, and when she said, get you like a day spa thing instead. And I thought, it, 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 so here, I haven't got you anything as yet for your birthday. That's okay. And but the, here's the thing. I don't need and, and people should know. People birthday. should know that 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 we generally don't get each other a whole bunch of stuff. I sometimes demand getting things. So it's <laughs> but but here's the thing: is that is it like there's a very good chance. First of all, if I got you a, a silk nightgown, which would be great, um, it would be destroyed. If you ever got a chance to wear it, it would be destroyed quickly because you're being attacked by human beings who would just destroy everything. And it would, or unless we tucked it away, somebody would find, anyway, but I think I'm all for it and I think it would be great, but we don't have tranquility in our house for you to traipse into the room in a silk nightgown and then- No, I know. It's not my life. No, I also don't have not, time to go to spas, I know, so and that's I'm why good I with said, that and too. I know, and I, and I appreciate that, and I, and I, but I appreciate her suggesting that, but there's a really good chance with the way our lives currently are is that that spa certificate would- end up unused and probably lost because I still no have like hundreds of dollars to Belisante in Boston that I was given as a gift I think in when one of our kids was born I want to say <clears throat> the most recent one was in like 2013 but there might even have been one like when Sally was born so like in 2010 that I have not I used like a little bit of them once but I have not used them up because I don't have time to go to spas. I just don't. It's fine. I don't, like, there's nothing that I need. I'm fine. <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm all set. Sorry, my lung cancer is back. It'll I'm probably sorry. Receive. I'll switch out filters in my CPAP. I think it's having carbs. I think it's having, it might be having carbs too. And that accounts for my backache and everything else that Gray has talked about. Uh, who was my? Yeah, you had my, two uh, cheat days from yeah. your carb-free diet. One of which was, and gorgeous. now you're dying again. One of which was gorgeous, and one of which was was not. The first day with the ragu, that like hit me a hundred percent, like it used to having carbs, and I actually like, got nervous, shaking. <laughs> um, it was just so pleasurable. The second day, um, we waited till the evening. I waited till the evening. I wasn't that hungry, and I didn't get my. And I so I had clam sauce. I didn't have my clam. I'm not going to ruin you. Really waste your time anymore. Anyway, it wasn't great. But I, I, I set up the day too much. I shouldn't have. So, um, a couple things you need to hear, Alice. Is first you need to hear the Tucker Carlson open from last night. And here's a little bit of that. We've got news for you this evening. Joe Biden, the president, has announced another piece of his highly promoted equity agenda. That's the government-wide effort to improve the lives of African-Americans. You may recall that on his first day in office more than a year ago, the new president explained that equity will require determination and creativity. And this week, he proved that's true. Joe Biden's latest idea is to pay black people to smoke more crack. Going forward, the administration will send at least $30 million in tax money to nonprofits and local governments so they can purchase, quote, safe smoking kits and supplies. According to HHS, these kits will contain Joe Biden-approved pipes that will allow beneficiaries of the equity agenda to smoke crack cocaine as well as crystal meth. Some say it's about time. Soros-aligned NGOs have long complained that marginalized groups in this country don't have adequate access to illegal narcotics or the tools to use them. With this new program, Joe Biden will finally close the crack gap. For too long in America, quality crack pipes have been the domain of rich white men like so much else. Here's the president's son, for example, smoking crack in bed at the Four Seasons. 
You'll notice the beautifully designed custom crack pipe, its cooling bowl nestled in the high thread count Egyptian cotton sheets. When Hunter Biden smokes crack, he does it in style. But not everyone in this country is so fortunate. Try to toast some rock in West Baltimore sometime. You may have to make the pipe yourself from tin foil or a broken car antenna. Our inner cities are pipe deserts. What do you think? I thought you'd be laughing more than that. I do. I think it's funny. But it's, I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny because the government really means it. Like, yeah. we briefly mentioned this story about the crack pipes and, yeah. and like, safe injection sites and all this stuff like this. It's, um, this stuff, these drugs are a scourge. Yes. A scourge. They're destroying large on, swaths of the just, country. I don't mark know. the tape here. We're going to revisit scourge at some point. Scourge? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with scourge? It, it's not a scourge. Scourge? Scourge. S-C-O-U-R-G-E. Correct. I'll look it up. I'm not sure. You don't have to look it up. We'll, we'll revisit it. We'll revisit it. 1570, huh? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Scourge. <laughs> I don't know scourge. what's uh, My volume's not as loud as it usually is on this computer. I mean, it's going to be fine, but it's not as loud as it usually is. Hmm. Either is yours. But it's anyway, kind of, I don't know. This computer if you, is turning out to be a scourge. I don't know. <laughs> if you saw the uh, thread I sent you of the guy interviewing people on the streets of San Francisco. I saw that you sent yeah. Um, and these people are, I mean, this is not a question of housing availability. This is not a question of equity. This is a question of people who are addicted to substances that are slowly or not so slowly killing them. And are through choice living on the streets. Want me to play a little bit of this? Guy? Sure. Where are you from? Uh, Louisiana, Texas area. How long have you been in San Francisco? Since uh, June. If you're gonna be homeless, it's pretty easy here. I mean, if we're gonna be realistic, they pay you to be homeless here. When you said that San Francisco pays people to be homeless, what did you mean by that? <laughs> you mean that literally? Yeah. I mean, I get six hundred and twenty bucks a month, dude. From yeah, general assistance, yeah. or you, would you? How was that hard to get? Phone call, bro. Come on. Hey, Fucking clean it up. Come on, clean it up. Six hundred and twenty bucks cash a month. Wow. All right, we get the point with him, right? Yeah, but they're all like that. He has a whole thread of them. He interviews a ton of people, and they're all like, "This is great. I just sold meth to a fifteen-year-old. It's awesome." Blah blah blah. They're like, I mean. They're in the throes of deep addiction. We're not doing people like this yeah. any favors by not putting them in institutions and taking away their crack pipes. You know what I mean? There's a lot of talk about like how we have to be nicer to people who are drug addicted by letting them continue to do drugs. But when you see these people who are on the streets, you realize that the cruelest thing you can do to them is make drugs more available to them. Right. So when I had done, when I used to write... Um op-eds, I'm sorry, editorials, because we were going to do safe injection sites in Boston, and maybe they're Mm -hmm. doing them now, I assume they are. Well, they had had a de facto safe injection site at at the Mass Ave, anyway. Um, The biggest deterrence that I heard, the most convincing stories that I heard from people was, one, you go to these sites, and you can have somebody, somebody a first-time drug user, suck in a bunch of fentanyl and just die right there for the first time goodbye because who knows what they're going to have and what what's going on mm-hmm. two is that the recovering junkies 
said that those those sites were terrible ideas because one of the big impediments uh, to getting high successfully was having finding a peaceful place to do it. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do it in a in a shop or a train station or a bathroom without getting rousted. Then it just made everything very unsettling. It made it very tough. Well, right. And it is sort of an equity issue, though not the way Democrats think. Hunter Biden was able to... Go to the Four Seasons. Go to the Four Seasons and have a peaceful place and to do drugs. And spend a month drugs. away, right. Right. You know, he's <laughs> able to... He His career has not suffered, obviously. He's fine. And that's true of wealthy, privileged people whose children choose to goof around and do a bunch of drugs... And they have like this huge safety net around them, keeping them able to continue to get a job and have a nice life and whatever. Right. But when you pass this on to normal, when you sit around and you're like, well, Hunter did all these drugs and he turned out okay. He still has career stuff and blah, blah, blah. Like, and we want that for everybody else. So we'll just make it so that it's easy to do drugs and everybody can shoot up in peace and have a nice life. And then they wonder why those people don't turn out like Hunter Biden. Like, gee, I wonder why the crack addicts on the streets of San Francisco don't get cushy jobs on the board of Ukrainian Mm -hmm. oil companies. It's weird. I can't imagine why that would be. It's so strange. Like, what... Obviously, it's not the ease of access to drugs that made Hunter Biden less susceptible to falling prey to addiction. It's all the other stuff that Hunter Biden has. And if you give the other people just the ease of access to drugs without any of the other stuff, you screw them over so completely that, that they can never get their life back together. These people who are on the streets who are doing all these drugs need to have the drugs taken away from them. Right. You know, it's it's the same thing like when people did no-fault divorce. Like, yeah, you, Ben Affleck can get divorced and still be wealthy, still have all his stuff, still have time to see his kids, have a great relationship with J-Lo. Everything works out just fine, and he's divorced, so we'll make it easy for other people to get divorced, too, without realizing that divorce, you know, it, it completely... It completely... <laughs> lays waste to your financial situation it makes it much more difficult to parent it does it it's so destructive and you know the the riches think that they can put their values on people who don't have their advantages i mean values i say values but it's really like a lack thereof right it's having no values or morals whatsoever because they have all the trappings around them that allow them to have no morals and still be fine if you put the having no morals and no you know n- no standards of your life being put together on other people who don't have your advantages then those people's lives end up destroyed you know <clears throat> like plenty of rich kids stole their parents' oxys from the medicine cabinet and did some of that and then still went to college and turned out fine. And then, like, the poorer kids got hooked and didn't go to nice colleges, didn't have nice parents to, like, get them nice jobs and buy them nice cars and clothes and all that stuff. And their lives fell apart. Fell apart. because and, And you can't replace all the other stuff just by making the drugs easier to get. Right. It's absurd. The, the whole concept is stupid. It's not the stigma of the drugs that's ruining those people's lives. It's actually doing the drugs. It's, I mean, it, 
the whole thing is so stupid. It's like they think if we give people nicer drug paraphernalia, like that's why you say like, you know, I thought you'd be laughing hard. I mean, it is funny. Tucker's very funny, but mm-hmm. it's like it would be more funny if it weren't actually true that liberals really think that way. Like, well, even before this, and I think that this is going to be <clears throat> as as you see more and more articles about what's leading to despair, and it's every other um, factor but our approach to the coronavirus, which mm-hmm. is the one thing it really is. Right. Um, I think you're seeing more of an acknowledgement. There's a huge tidal wave of this happening. Mm-hmm. And what there was even five years ago by by when I'd go to North Station in Boston and take the train in, um, it looked like uh, in front there's a little grassy area and it looked like a, a Civil War uh, battlefield with just dead bodies of, but they weren't dead, they were zombified mm-hmm. of, you know, 19, 22-year-old well, people. Some of them might have been dead. You're right. Some of them are dead. When they cleared out Mass and Cass, they found a dead body in, oh, yeah. in one of the tents like that nobody had noticed because that's the way people are living. And to make some claim like, well, we have to like respect their choices and help them do it safely. Like, it's insanity. It's yeah, total the, the freaking insanity. The fact is, this guy that we just saw, listened to, that guy is not living. No. There's a, there's a high person that is mobilized and ignited every day for an amount of time. That person is not living. That person is alive despite himself. Right. And won't be for long, probably. Right. And these are people's kids, you know. Mm-hmm. These, like, are real people that somebody once held as a baby that, you know, their parents thought they were full of unlimited potential and lovely and, you know, somebody's going to cry when they find out that that person has actually physically died even though they've been slowly dying for years and killing their family all kinds of ways Mm -hmm. you know it's the ultimate cruelty that we do this and like the liberals pretend it's freaking nice to do that it's it's so sick it's so messed up can i tell you can i take an aside here for a, a, a comic um sure oh you're getting upset sorry no it's fine take a comic it's hard. I'm just looking at this guy here. Mm-hmm. He, it just reminds me, my friend Mike. Yeah. He always, and it applies here, always was angry and jealous of how the homeless generally have such great hair. <laughs> it's true. And this guy <clears throat> does too. He's got great hair. A lot of homeless people, guys, have great hair. Really? So that's a Mike I thing. haven't noticed Blame that. Blame it on Mike, everybody. But it just happens to be true. Oh. We were in the 90s. Haven't picked up on that pattern. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'd assume he's, that that guy has things in the minus column as well. <laughs> but he's probably more th- thinking about But anyway. So uh, so there you go. Maybe we'll just edit that entire uh, <laughs> part. All right. So uh, can we move along? Yes. But I'm right I'm right there with you. on. I mean, but, but Alice, where do we go now? What do we do? The real pandemic now is a mental health pandemic in this mm-hmm. country. And it has been cultivated, fertilized, and, and and maintained and made to grow exponentially by stupid progressive policies that are immediate feel-good but have complete, complete uh, uh, just fallout that is incredible. We're going to – and what I want to make sure is that these bastards don't get away with it. And they, you're, already, you're already seeing them some places. Leanna Wen saying, now the science has changed. There's a second group of us who now believe at first the chi- science was this. Now the science has changed. And now we have to take the mask off. It's like, F you, lady. Mm-hmm. 
any of you who are pulling this crap knowing that these stupid masks have nothing to do with anything, you are culpable for the, all of this fallout, all of the stupid measures with kids. Anything you did to kids during this coronavirus was unnecessary, was a, a measure of choice. It was a measure that was uh, a really an intolerable measure on a child out of your own choice as an adult. You visited pain upon these kids needlessly. And some of us effing said it since the beginning. It's right. BS. Your kids, your kids, and I say this to people up in the Northeast and beautiful blue states like this, your kids didn't need to go through the coronavirus. They didn't need to do anything. They didn't need to experience the pandemic, and you effing made them do it so you could fill a void or whatever that was, whatever that was. But it was unnecessary. Now I'm mad. All right. <clears throat> Ready to be happy? Yes, let's get happy. Um, uh, M, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is now, for me, in back in the plus column. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. Ready? Just listen. Don't look. Just listen. I know about it. Not only do we have the D.C. jail, which is the D.C. gulag, but now we have Nancy Pelosi's gazpacho police spying on members of Congress, spying on the legislative work that we do. Gazpacho police. How fantastic is she? She is back <laughs> in my good column. Uh, first of all, I, I've always thought that gazpacho gets not nearly the do it deserves gazpacho is wonderful it's probably keto friendly well maybe it's it's tomatoey like it's not gazpacho is wonderful the f the fact that in her head gazpacho is gestapo to me is fine <laughs> that is absolutely fine i guess the holocaust museum education didn't no. take with that. no no a little bit i guess not but the gazpacho please i am all for that or i am i'm i want to celebrate her now along the lines remember last night we played that thing and uh, of this new video, this new movie coming out in which uh, whiteness, they talk about whiteness and how sucky whiteness is. Mm -hmm. Of course, PBS can't leave that alone. And everything's got to be revisited now. Here we go. And picture the cowboy. Take a minute and picture the cowboy. He's got on his hat and boots, maybe a gun on each hip. And of course, his well-worn blue jeans. This is the image of the cowboy made famous by John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, and Gary Cooper. But hold your horses. They're all white dudes. The real cowboys were and still are way more diverse than what people saw in the movies. And more and more, black cowboys are getting their due. Hey, I'm Asante Bean for American Experience. Let's explore the true story of the American West and black cowboys. Black cowboys are getting their due? <laughs> Did we owe black cowboys something? Who? What are we getting there do? We used cowboys in Hollywood to find a way to get men on horses with guns to shoot each other. Black cowboys are getting there do. Do you think mostly the, the, the life of a cowboy was mostly two six guns twirling and walk going into the town and clearing out all of the scumbags? Probably These guys not. dealt with cows mostly. <laughs> Freaking incredible. Western movies really took off in the 1920s and 30s as an escape from the tough reality of the Great Depression. They were wildly popular, like superhero blockbusters today. As the United States is transformed from being a rural and agrarian nation to one in which most people live in cities or towns, there is a nostalgic embrace of the frontier world lost. 
We didn't have royalty like in England and other European countries, but we had cowboys. They were our knights in shining armor. Immigrants and other marginalized communities could go west to seek freedom, independence, and prosperity. There we go. Okay, so there wasn't enough cowboy representation. Really, Mm. is this how petty things are? How petty things are? You need there to be more non-white cowboys. That was that. You've been hurt by cowboy representation as well. Mm-hmm. It's been hurting me. I'm aggrieved by this. You've never. There's never been enough cowboy shown. God, shut up. Wasn't there some Just D-Day sh- movie recently? Some World War II D-Day movie where people complained it was too white too or something. Like, I have no. There's doubt. lots of like. Although I this think D-Day going. was fairly white. That's the. Yeah, that's the problem. Oh, I see. Like wait wait uh, okay so they're mad that, uh, that the actual Operation Overlord wasn't more diverse. <laughs> we would have absolutely lost that day if, if, if we did it in twenty twenty two. If it was run by General Milley and General Austin. Oh, and that 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 uh, the do uh, Rachel Levine. God. You know, handling the, uh, the handling Patton's tank division. There'd yeah. be like pregnant people in the duck boats or whatever. It's birthing like, persons, my friend. Sorry, 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 but um, I have a Rogan update. Uh, Washington Post has come up with a new argument to explain to us why Rogan is uh, problematic from your buddy uh, Karen Attaya. Do you remember her? She's like the global editor of mm-hmm. the Post or something. You've gotten in Twitter fights with her before. I don't really? know if you remember. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she's the one. Remember, she uh, gave out her reparations Venmo account in case oh, we wanted to great. send her money, even though she's an editor at the that's Washington great. Post. Unfreaking believable. Anyway, so uh, she goes on to uh, explain that Joe Rogan has been playing the race card for years and that that's why he got paid um, $100 million. And um, she points out that uh, former presidential candidate Andrew Yang in a now deleted tweet argued Rogan couldn't be racist because he interacts and works with black people. Oh, please, writes Karen Ataya. You know who else interacted with and worked a lot with black people? Slave masters. They, they did. <laughs> True. They did. True. See? See? Rogan, slave masters. But it's true. The problem we face is bigger than Joe Rogan. Indeed, from Rogan to Donald Trump to Fox News, white men have built cultural, political, and media empires off of anti-blackness and the dehumanization of others. See? Joe Rogan built... An empire, just like the slave masters, on anti-blackness and dehumanization. I bet you didn't realize uh, that when you listened to Joe Rogan that you were participating in an empire built on anti-blackness, but it turns out you are. In fact, she says Spotify's response to the Rogan controversy offers a perfectly curated playbook on how racial capitalism works Mm -hmm. in America. Uh, continue to they continue to justify platforming white supremacist ideas, and uh, Spotify can claim all it wants. Rogan's speech doesn't reflect its values, but by keeping its hundred million dollar Trojan horse on the, in the stable, the streaming service shows that racism continues to be quite the valuable asset in America. See, uh, Joe Rogan, slavery, same uh, thing. Obviously, of course, it is. Everything is the old NFL cow- is also like old slavery. cowboy movies. Lack of representation is slavery as well. Mm-hmm. There's another. I saw another Rogan thing too. No today. wonder we're all responsible for slavery. I didn't realize when we 
listened to that documentary trailer yesterday for that new trailer about how white people are bad. And they said, of course, yes, white people alive today have responsibility for slavery. Well, if the Joe Rogan podcast is slavery, then we all bear some responsibility because we've listened to that. So we definitely participated in slavery then, if that's slavery. Yes, we do. And you do it more often than you think, Alice, because the the, the NPR uh, article today that's going everywhere is, which skin color emoji should you use? The answer can be more complex than you think. It's showing the thumbs up in all the different colors now, you know, the six. Choosing a skin tone emoji. Well, I know I'm not supposed to do emoji blackface by using the black colored ones. So that can't be what I'm supposed Choosing to do. Choosing a skin tone emoji can open a complex conversation about race and identity for some. Heath Rosella identifies as three quarters white and one quarter Filipino, which tells me Heath Rosella is already broken. When texting, he chooses a yellow emergency instead of a skin tone option because he feels it doesn't represent any specific ethnicity or color. He doesn't want people to view his text in a particular way. He wants to go with what he sees as the neutral option and focus on the message. I present as very pale, very light-skinned. I present. You can't just and, be light-skinned light uh, no. anymore? <laughs> and if I use the white emoji, I feel like I'm betraying the part of myself that's Filipino. Rasela of Littleton, Mass. said, of course, of Littleton, Mass. But if I use a darker color emoji, which maybe more closely matches what I see when I look at my whole family, it's not what the world sees, and people tend to judge that. This kid, this dumbass, is making a morass of complex uh, mazes <laughs> to forge his way through for no friggin' reason. For no freaking reason. By the way, this is written, Alice. Mm -hmm. There is a triple byline. It takes three of them to write this. It's written by Alejandra. I feel like there's a screw in a light bulb joke here. Uh, Alejandra Marquez Johns, mm -hmm. Patrick Jaron Watton, and Asma Khalid have made this. That's right. All three different emoji colors for them. Uh, in Maybe we should start putting our emoji colors into our email signatures, just like our pronouns, just so people know. To the, well, at least how I present. In 2015, five skin tone options became available for hand gesture emojis, in addition to the default Simpsons-like yellow. Choo choosing one can be a simple texting shortcut for some, but for others, it opens a complex conversation. This is not a complex <laughs> conversation about race and identity. These are dumb people doing dumb things, having dumb thoughts, but having a very credentialed person uh, have them speak about these dumb dumb thoughts with some eloquence. eloquence mm -hmm. this Do is you remember when they told us that white people couldn't use GIFs of black people, that that was digital blackface? Oh, really? No. Because it was like, it harkened back to, you know, seeing black people as entertainment and ah, less than. There we go. Mm -hmm. I use the brown one that matches me, says Sarah Cole, Sarai Cole, S-A-R-A-I Cole, an opera singer in Germany. I have some friends who use the brown ones too, but they are not brown themselves. This confuses me. Cole is originally from California and identifies as black and American descendant of slavery. Uh, she said that while she was not offended when a non-brown friend used a dark emoji, she would like to understand why. Hmm, what exactly are you doing that for? I think it would be nice if <coughs> it is their default, but if they're just using it with me or other brown people, I would want to look into that deeper and know why they're doing that. She's, what don't <laughs> you have to do that you're looking into it deeper? My friend, you're using trouble. 
Jennifer Epperson from Houston identifies as black, and she said she changed her approach depending on who she was talking to. I used the default emoji, the yellow-toned one, for professional settings. And then I used the dark brown emoji for friends and family, she said. I just don't have the emotional capacity to unpack <laughs> race relations in the professional setting. Uh, yeah, Wait, yeah. you can also just use the yellow one all the time because no. it's what pops up first and you don't have to like... Is the yellow emergency really neutral, Alice? A 2019 oh, no. study published oh, no. by the University of Edinburgh looked at the use of different skin tone emojis, emojis, what are referred to as modified emojis, on Twitter to find out if the modifiers contributed to self-representation. Of course. Uh, Alexander Robertson... Robertson... Mm -hmm. Alice, ready? Here we go. Alexander Robertson, an emoji researcher... <laughs> Wait, no. ...at Google no. and PhD candidate involved in the study, said the emoji modifiers were used widely, but it was... People with darker skin who use them in higher proportions and more often. Instead, some white people may stick with the yellow emoji because oh. they don't want to assert their privilege by adding a light-skinned emoji to a text or to take advantage of something that was created to represent diversity. Nothing says privilege like some pansy worrying about emojis. Wait, are we even allowed to use the white one, too? Maybe white people just shouldn't be allowed to use emojis no. altogether. That you, seems like the safest option. <clears throat> because if you use the white one, like, that's in... If they tell white people they have to use the white one all the time, then it's going to, like, within six months be considered, like, a white supremacist signal or something. Alice, Zara Rahman, a researcher <sighs> and writer in Berlin, argues that the skin tone emojis make white people confront... Their race, as people of color ha often have to do, which is why I'm intrigued by this. For example, she shared Sarah Cole's confusion when someone who is white uses a brown emoji, so she asked some friends about it. One friend who is white told me that it was because he felt that white people were overrepresented over in the space that he was using the emoji, so he wanted to try, kind of try and even the playing field. For me, it does signal a kind of lack of awareness of your white privilege in many ways. Of the, you know, the friend got it wrong. Thought he was evening the playing field for equity reasons. Nope. Instead, pst, flag, you were showing more privilege. Um, uh, she said there was a default in society to associate whiteness with being raceless, and emojis gave white people an option to make their race explicit. I completely hear some people that are exhausted from having to do that. Many people of color have to do that every day and are confronted with race every day, Raman said. But for many white people, they've been able to ignore it, whether that's subconsciously or consciously, their whole lives. Raman admits there's no specific answer, admits, to all the questions about emojis use, but said it was an opportunity to think about how people want to represent their identities. Basically, any emoji a white person uses just shows that they're racist. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> I think it's Surprise! more. I think it's more one of those places where we just have to think about who we are and how we want to represent our identities. She said, and maybe it does change depending on the season, depending on the context. What a thoughtful. Maybe piece. they should get rid of the white emoji. I completely agree. Well, first of all, first of all. All white people should kill themselves immediately. Immediately, although that still shows privilege. I'm sure that's not adequate. I'm sure that's not adequate. Probably but that, should get rid is, of this, the... This is a fine work of Alejandra Marquez Jansen, Patrick 
Jaren Tawatadananananan and Asma Khalid. This is a very, very important uh, thought piece. Once again, by NPR.org, who uh, once again gets taxpayer money, along with PBS, who's writing, doing the important think piece cinema story about why people of color are unrepresented in cowboy movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank God that's done. Thank God. Thank God we've got somebody looking into that. <laughs> uh, probably the study on the emojis probably also got government funding. I don't know if it did or not, of but course. we fund all kinds of stupid studies, so nothing would shock me at this point. But that's like, that's what we do. I can't wait till President DeSantis defunds everything. Um, the A bunch of people gave... A bunch of people uh, on both sides of the issue uh, did a virtual testifying public hearing about what they feel about the mask mandates in Mm -hmm. Hartford, Connecticut. This one lady is named Tina Manus, and this is her feeling about taking the masks away from children. If masks are eliminated from schools, you are making students themselves assassins in their own communities and families. Have the political will to do the right thing and err on the side of caution. I can tell you from personal experience, doing the right thing is not easy. Nothing worth doing ever is. And JFK said, we do these things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. You are. Now, that's not the only reason we do them. Yeah, there's we lots of things because... that are hard that you right. shouldn't do, too. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, because it's a hard emotional thing to get over the fact and the guilt that you're torturing your child doesn't mean it's a good thing. Right. Yeah. This is it would moment. also be hard to explain to parents why you're making them wear handcuffs to school every day. But we also don't do that because... It's unnecessary. And the masks are unnecessary, and it's not costless. That's the problem. Right. Right? The problem is that there's no err on the side of caution, because you could just as easily say err on the side of caution of, like, not having kids lose two years of learning and social-emotional development, right? Like, you could err on the side of caution of not screwing kids up emotionally and psychologically forever, Right. You could err on that side of caution, too. The problem is there's pluses and minuses on both sides. And maybe we should listen to the experts and the science that is saying that every other country in the world is following, by the way, that is saying that kids don't need to be masked with masks all day, that it doesn't affect the spread of COVID at all. At all. And that. There is no like caution, not caution argument to be made here. You're this isn't a caution thing. You're making them assassins in their own communities. Assassins. Which takes us to REI. REI is a camping outfit. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, and they make like outdoorsy they do camping, clothes outdoorsy and stuff. stuff. The stuff right. that I would have shopped for because I was big into camping, as I told mm-hmm. you when we were Facebook day. Did you put our message? No, on I'm too busy. Locals yet? No, I'm, I'm too busy. I'll try to do it today. It's too. I can't. I can't do it. I'm not doing anything. Um. Um, you're already like 20 hours a day busy. Just can't you just block in the last four? Um, <laughs> uh, the screenshot process is not easy with an iPhone, and who cares? Okay, so here's REI. It's it's Retail Environmental Institute. What does it stand for? REI camping. I have no clue what it stands for. To be uh, honest yeah, with you. What stands but, for? But yeah, no. I mean, what Tom's referring to is that when we first started dating he told me that the reason he has a Subaru well he doesn't anymore but the reason he had a Subaru at that time was because uh, he could go camping easily with friends when uh, he had a Subaru because it would fit all his camping gear Uh, then I found out that he does not camp at all had not been near any camping equipment 
in decades and had no intention of doing any camping. Correct. Correct. Part of the facade that I constructed <laughs> to reel in Alice. Uh, okay, so it's, it stands for Recreational Equipment, Inc. Hmm. There you go. So, do you want to tell a story? Well, it's a short story. Their staff is trying to unionize. Much like Starbucks, their staff is trying to unionize. And they don't want them to. They don't want them because to. Because no company in their right mind wants their staff exactly. to unionize. So, now, the the <clears throat> two of the brass in the place, two executives, the executive officer of diversity, equi- equity, and inclusion, and the... Uh, who's the person now you'd have run interference for you, right? Mm-hmm. And the CEO recorded a podcast together, meant as a message to the people trying to unionize. And here's how it starts. Let's start with Wilma Wallace, who's the uh, REI, DEI <laughs> person. Hi, REI. My name is Wilma Wallace, and I serve as your chief diversity and social impact officer. I use she, her pronouns, and am speaking to you today from the traditional lands of the Ohlone people. So I'm here chatting with Eric Arts, who serves the co-op and all of us as CEO. All right, let's hear from Eric. Well, thank you, Wilma. Thanks for hosting, and hello to everyone that is listening. For those of you who I have not had the chance to meet, I use he, him pronouns, and I'm speaking to you today from the traditional lands of the Coast Salish peoples. Okay, obviously that's hilarious, stupid, absurd, <laughs> in, in a thousand different ways. There's no such thing as pronouns for whatever. There's girls and boys, and that's and that's fine. This traditional lands thing is is not only flawed as hell, but a <laughs> pathetic exercise in uh, in uh, guilt amelioration for the masses. It is performance art. Imagine if European people had to do that. They'd have to be like, I yep. am speaking to you today from the traditional land of the Frankish tribe of the... Like, oh, right. <laughs> Where the Flemings and uh, before the Bavarians and the Celts and the uh, Anglos and the Saxons and... Um, so... You know what's great too is that like mm-hmm. REI's whole reason to be is to make incursions into lands and sleep there. Oh yeah, it's there. an extremely uh, white activity, well, very right. problematic. This used I to belong say. to the Kinnecock, uh and we're <laughs> camping here tonight. And here's a selfie with what I was doing. Well, that's fine. Here's Do you Eric- remember even during the pandemic, there were a bunch of think pieces about why the use of outdoor spaces is very white and how like black people can be intimidated if they try and go hiking or birding. And even about like the guy in Central Park that was like the woman almost called the cops on him or whatever yeah, that yeah. thing was. But the whole the whole message was that like outdoorsiness is too white and it needs to be decolonized or something so they're already problematic they're already like working from a deficit in the equity department so here's eric arts ceo uh he him and uh you Post-Salish know salish people occupier correct talking to the folks who want to unionize. let me start by saying unions are important and valuable and they play a vital role in supporting the rights of workers across many workplaces, companies, and industries. Right there, it seems to me he's letting the people who want to organize feel seen. He's letting them Mm -hmm. know that they're being seen and they're being heard. Right. In fact, many of the workplace laws we now have in place can be traced back to union support. My father was a teacher in a teacher's union and led the union when I was a teenager, and I have experienced unions 
and other businesses and sectors that I have served. He's union legacy. That shows right there that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, he, right now he's all privileged, but there was he comes from a place of lesser privilege. So when people ask, why don't we support unions? My answer is simple. We do not oppose unions. It's that we don't believe, I do not believe, that introducing a union is the right thing for REI. I like that. We don't oppose unions. No, of course not. We're all for them. Just not in this building. (laughs) And more specifically, I believe the presence of union representation will impact our ability to communicate and work directly with our employees and resolve concerns at the speed the world is moving. And that is the core of why we don't think that introducing a union is the right thing for our employees. And what are the people who want you know to be an RII? You know this statement was run by like 100 lawyers to make sure he didn't uh, say the, the, anything uh, that he could get 143,000 uh, traditional lands were mentioned on that call. <laughs> um, and so he's saying everything right. I wish I could snap my fingers and fix all of the challenges we're, we're facing as a broad society and so on, but I, but I can't. Uh, not in the moment. We certainly have big aspirations when we think about you know, our purpose agenda and climate and racial equity, but we are here today. What I can do and what I commit to do is to always do my best to lead by putting our values first, by focusing on our mission and our purpose, by listening to employee voices, your voice. And when we see things we can do better, we will do so. In other words, so he's making a pledge that he's going to uplift those people. Mm-hmm. So what do a bunch of progressives who want to be in a union and organize, call somebody who's um, looking to uplift them, who wants to hear them, who wants to see them, who appreciates unions, uh, who talks about his pronouns, who talks about the stolen land he's on, and who admits that he comes from a place of privilege. What do they call somebody like that? Um, a Nazi? Uh, essentially, they call him a union buster. Because oh. it doesn't matter if you're somebody with a a, a big club in, in the U.S. Steel or the Pinkertons coming in to kill people trying to organize. It doesn't matter how woke you are. And this is the, actually, this is your take, take mm-hmm. great take today. doesn't matter what you do to self-flagellate. They're coming to get you. Yeah, they're going to come. They're going to take your business from you. They're going to make all the decisions for you. They're going to destroy it and run it into the ground because they suck. The people that are making you grovel and state your pronouns and talk about the Coast Salish people's ancestral lands. And they don't care. Nothing you say is going to get them to think that you're on their side. Correct. doesn't matter. They are the enemy. And it's it's sorry, it's going to happen. That's life. Much like my enemy, Alice. Do you know who my enemy is? Um, I don't know. Who's your enemy? Hopefully not me. David. Are you forming a union? David Foster Cullinane. Why is Dave Cullinane David enemy? Foster Cullinane, my enemy. Why is he There's enemy? scurrilous rumors going on. Remember the scurrilous rumors? What scurrilous mm-hmm. rumors? What? David Foster Cullinane. Tom Shattuck's enemy, Alice. You want to hear why? Why? Here we go. Why? This is a Kirk Minahan show. This is them talking about, it's Mike Geary, Kirk Minahan, Dave Cullinane. They were talking about... Um, how Howie, uh, so not Howie, how um, Jerry Callahan is a big fan of Grace Curley because she's going on all these shows. She's doing great, and she is great. 
Jerry Love Turney loves what's her face, Howie Carr's. Uh, oh, Grace. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's got guts. <laughs> That could have been Steve. That could have been Steve too. Yeah, she was on. Jerry was telling me she was on one of those shows, like Jesse Waters or Tucker Carlson. He was all fired up. Uh, What do you care? What does it do for you? (laughs) Why aren't you on it? I saw Jerry was on Tom Shack's radio show, so that's a good hit for him. Was he really? Yeah, he loves radio, so it's a good day for him. That's bleep eating grin. Dave saying that. Oh, he loves radio, so that's a good hit for him. It's back to Odyssey when they tell him to go on there, man. Jesus Christ. Oof. Shaddock still has that dumb show it's still on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is it both shows? Oh, it's going to be cool. Oh, they're awful. Shaddock is the worst. Be, oh, is that right? It's horrific. All kidding aside, that's got to be a terrible show. Really? No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Shaddock is Shaddock's probably better than... I'd say Shaddock's... Uh, he's better than Cooner. I enjoy Shaddock. But Cooner's Whoa, a character. Yeah, I slander Jeff Cooner here. Yeah, but yeah, Cooner has a little bit of personality to him. Shaddock's yeah. such a bore, but it's a good show. Shaddock know? does like weird things that Cooner doesn't do. Like, so Kirk goes what do you like, d- I want to know what you do I, I that's can't, weird. I had to bleep that, that all out. What it was is they're, they're, ribbing, they're ribbing Cooner because Cooner has odd like uh, toilet habits that they've witnessed one way or another and odd like uh, okay. like grubby habits stuff like so, okay. so that's that's what all that is. But that is a direct a direct message that is culminating bringing me up in that show only only to go on the attack only. Much like he does in social media and much like I do in response. So we need to come up with a... Why do you care? What do you mean? I like being talked about. I'm thrilled. Oh, so you're not upset. <laughs> no, okay. I'm not upset. Are you kidding me? like, why would you be upset? It's, God, I don't no. care. Actually, considering I got off very easy. Usually Kirk gives me... I, I never get out of a Kirk commentary without a no one listens to that show anyway. At least I didn't when I was with Herald Radio. But Cullen, it is so interesting how this works now. He knows that I listen to every show. That show, Kirk Minahan show, is so freaking good. It is better than ever. It, you don't listen to it, do you? I, I mean, know. I listen to what you have on, so I hear right. I hear it often it is, enough. It is so it is so good. It is better than ever. The show is just a, it's just such a it's 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 one of the few shows I listen to that's not about stuff I talk about. Mm-hmm. So I love it, but now, like, I like the idea that Dave knows that I listen to. It. They all know that I'm a P1 on the show, which is why I think that Mike is, um, that that you know, the, Mike Mike always says nice nice stuff. Which I, Mike Donald Trump now he's very nice to me, <laughs> but but Dave is now ribbing me through the show the same way we rib each other through uh, social media. Um, Kirk, I think, didn't twist a knife because I'm I'm. Uh, I joined a future possible venture just briefly of 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 his uh of something he's about doing so I'm getting a reprieve right now and also they don't really care about me but that's the best <laughs> but that's it but I think it's so funny to have podcasts now where we're literally we're commuting. I think Colin is very nice Oh don't say that Alice I think he is He actually is he's actually not only is Dave really nice He's one of the, and I would have told you this any time, one of the most competent producers out there. I mean, this guy was jerry-rigging stuff and, and putting tech together on the fly when I've been out uh, around with him when, I, when he used to work with Graham, etc. He's really good. He's really good. He's a nihilist, and I don't know that he's got any an actual belief system. Um, but <laughs> Well, I don't know about his belief system, but he's he always seems very nice to me. Wow. Every woman for herself, I guess. What? I don't think anything's wrong. I don't think he said anything really bad about you. No, he didn't. Not really. Nothing bad happened. What? 
Well, Nobody not, needs to be enemies. Everything's fine. I know, but I want to make something of this, Alice. I'm making war. What possible... You know what? How about I make public war with Kirk and all the Minifans and dare them to... I'd re- rather you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a lot of time to yeah, like go through my Twitter and block people or whatever. I can't... Can you that. just try it? Just get along with the people. Show is- it's easy to get along with people. I get along with everybody. I don't have any enemies. What? I don't have any uh, enemies. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that that's true. We'll see. I don't have enemies. Who's my enemy? <sighs> Unless it's you. Well, it is. You sent me to the Boy Scouts to go back and get that, uh, to go and, and, and buy masks because you're Fauci. I mean, that's the, that's the only thing that's me. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, oh, no, I don't want to bore you guys. I've already spent the last three minutes unnecessarily talking about this, but I like talking about it. I'm going to continue to talk about it. You know what? And my show on WTCTIC is still going. Still going strong. Mm-hmm. It is certainly a uh, not a boring show. I th- you have a great show on WTIC. Listen to it if you guys can. WTIC. I'm not good enough to be boring. I am. Every segment is an adventure and fun. Listen to it uh, when you can. And um, I apologize for the 150 thousand commercials, but that's that's radio for you. Buy the products, please, and tell them to have Tom Shattuck endorse them for you, please. And uh, yes, I will do a Substack. I've, I've got it halfway written. Mostly, it, it's not halfway written, but the the headline is there and the subhead is there. And I will try to get better at the Substack. And then I'll do Alice's locals thing, which I locals I like doing because it's fun and easy. But screenshotting, finding Facebook entries from uh, ten years ago is a little bit difficult. You just had them up to read them on the air, like last week. on my on the on the computer. But the the Apple doesn't screenshot screenshot the way you can't like screenshot and crop. Gosh, <sighs> what in Photoshop? I don't know. How much time are on this? <sighs> All right, I guess I ran out of show about seven minutes ago. Here you go. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. If uh, you're a Dave Cullinane fan who has a problem with us, please, uh, at Tom on Twitter, not me, at Tom Shannon. Bastards. Uh, we're also the at- hits was literally a show. A stupid show where he would go on in, in, at 4.18 in the morning and play and video himself bopping his head to Bananarama for 45 minutes or Chumbawamba, whatever it was. It was the worst thing that was ever done in modern media, and it was a, a worse affront to the United States uh, than was the First World War. Some people like it. Nobody likes it. Don't be nice. De gustibus non est disputandum. What? <laughs> it's Latin. Goose? How come nobody wears Canada Goose no jackets? There's no arguing about tastes. Some people like some things yes. and some people like other things. Some people no, like to no... see Dave Cullinane bop his head. No, just because nobody you likes don't. seeing him bop his Kirk head. Kirk Minahan the, no... doesn't like to listen to Tom Shaddock. No, what? You don't like they to goosti... watch Dave Cullinane bop his no, head. Some nobody likes like to degoose his show. Some nobody degoose his show. Some people like different things. It's okay. It's okay to like different no, stuff. But no, it's not. Stop being so at peace with the world. <laughs> Why do I have to be angry that some people like to listen to the hits? Mm. I don't know. I just don't have the level of anger that you have uh. about that. I have anger about other things. I have anger about people who load the dishwasher badly. That See I have that anger thing. about. This stuff, these drugs, are a scourge. Yes. A scourge. They're destroying... Large swaths of the country. I don't know. Mark the tape here. We're going to revisit Scourge at some point. Scourge? Mm -hmm. What's wrong with Scourge? It's not a scourge.
Scourge? Scourge. S-C-O-U-R-G-E. Correct. I'll look it up. I'm not sure. You don't have to look it up. We'll, we'll revisit it. We'll revisit it. 1570, huh? Hmm. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 